Welcome to Messy Life Podcast. You know, life is messy, but it's in our mess that we find our message. And just because your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. We want to open up our lives. We want to open up our mess. We want to open up what we've learned through really painful, dark journeys. And our hope on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of Messy Life, is that you would find courage and strength and laughter and joy in the midst of your journey, that you would know that you are not in this alone and that you are stronger than you ever thought you were. So let's get messy. Welcome to the Messy Life Podcast, and this is episode nine. We're so glad that you tuned in. Today, we're going to be talking about something that can revolutionize your marriage, your family, your team that you work on, your work environment. So you want to listen up because today we're talking a little bit about personality. Yep. We're going to be talking about personality test. Two of our favorites are Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. So today we're going to dive into Myers-Briggs and It's kind of cool because really when you think about unpacking the dynamic of each individual personality, it really helps you in your marriage. Like I feel like it's helped me become a better wife and helped me be more patient in understanding why Joel... Thank you. You you have to have a lot of patience when it comes to to me. (laughs) Like why he's wired the way he is. I think it... um, See, oftentimes we think there's it's just something wrong with them, right? Um, but technically, it's not that something's wrong with them. They're just wired differently than we are. And we can approach personalities sometimes and think, because they're different than me, something's wrong with them. As opposed to, it's just a matter of we see the world very differently because of our genetic makeup. God has like wired us each differently to accomplish the purpose that he has on our lives. And so it's kind of cool as we unpack personalities, it helps us understand and appreciate the uniqueness of that personality instead of wanting to like kill them because of their personality. Well, yeah. Sometimes people think loving another person is attempting to make them like themselves. Yeah. Like, But loving someone is understanding someone and then relating to them in a way that's for their benefit. Right. Not trying to change that person into something that you think they should be or to change them into someone more like yourself, but instead it's harnessing their natural God-given pens in yeah. um, who they are and accentuating that and helping and you being a good teammate along the way with their, their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I've met a lot of people who are kind of... Um not a big fan of personality test or they feel like it may, a lot of people feel like it boxes them in and they don't. But the truth is it makes us, when we understand the unique wiring or bend to the way they're created, we can lead them better. We can harmonize with them better. We can be better parents. We can be better spouses. Um, We can be better leaders because we understand the unique dynamic to that person's bend. Therefore, we can lead them more effectively. So I'm a huge fan of personality tests. And types. And types. And so we're going to dive into Myers-Briggs today a little bit, unpack that. I think that there are some really cool aspects to Myers-Briggs that can help you lead better, be a better spouse, be a better parent, be a better human. And then... um, (laughs) (laughs) Because we all want to be better humans. Yeah. I I mean, I do. 
Um, and then maybe next episode we'll dive into the Enneagram a little bit. We're less experienced on the Enneagram, but maybe we'll read a book and, you know, give our opinion. Who knows? Or maybe we'll get a, a guest speaker. Yeah, or we'll something. see. Maybe we won't even talk about it at all. Who knows? But, um, okay, so let's dive into Myers-Briggs. This is hilarious. We're going to tell you guys some personal stories of how we've navigated through challenges, um, banging our head up against the wall when really it's just a personality difference. So let's dive in. The first aspect, um, and we'll dissect the letters. There's like a bunch of different letters that you can be on the Myers-Briggs, but we're going to dissect your either, dissect, we're going to dissect, you're either this or you're that, and um, have some fun with it. So why don't we dive in? So first of all, the very first letter in the Myers-Briggs um, that you will identify is, you will either identify as an E or an I. Now the E stands for extrovert or extroversion, and the I stands for introversion. Yeah, so the difference is if you're extroverted, you're oftentimes find energy or fueled by being around people. Um, so it can be as extreme. And remember, everything is on a spectrum. So a lot of times people say, well, I'm, I find, so for example, I'm extroverted. I'm an E, Joel is an E. Um, I, I don't mind being the life of the party. Um, I, I am fueled and energized by people as opposed to an introvert who is fueled and energized by being by themselves. Um, Another way they can say it is the focus um, is their internal world versus an extrovert. Their focus is the external world. But even though I'm fueled by being around people, I oftentimes still have to have time where I pull away and I'm alone and have time to reflect and spend time by myself. But predominantly, I'm fueled by people. I'm energized by being around people. That's an extrovert versus an introvert who they're fueled and energized by self-reflection and being alone. Yeah. And this is powerful because an extrovert, um, they get energized by the external world, but an introvert gets really uh, energized and gets energy from their internal world. So if you're in any kind of business, which is like every kind of business where you need to know how the inside of people work and what they're thinking and feeling on the inside, like if you're in a spiritual community or faith-based community, you need somebody on your team to be working through the internal world because it's a huge part of faith. But you also need people, if everyone was focusing on the inside of how they're doing and what's going on and nobody ever met anyone else, no one would get touched or uh, connected with. And so whether you're in a faith-based community, whether you're in a work-based community, or whether you're in a marriage, both of these things can work together in a powerful way. And I think it's important to understand that about people. So I had um, a really good teammate of mine and a dear friend who is extremely introverted, and I am extremely extroverted. So we made for quite the pair. Um, We had more funny stories about each other than I've ever experienced. And she would always laugh at me because every time I would walk into a business, I would walk into a new relationship, like a new friendship or meeting people. I would walk in and be like, hi, I'm Casey. (laughs) And, um, and that's so polar opposite of her because she's more introverted, like more, um, she would never do that. You know, she's, she's just more quiet and reserved And where I'm more outgoing and loud and fueled by that kind of stuff fuels me. Like I want to know you and all about this person. And you want to feel that that good connection, that positive connection. Positive energy from people. And for her, the time she feels that is when she would pull away and have time to reflect. 
So it was funny in the beginning of our. And not only that, but she would also be scoping out the scene. She totally. You see, would. a lot of times, you know, the extroverts just think, "Oh, the introverts are uninterested, and they're not. They, they're just shy or whatever." But you know, the introverts out there who are, you, if you're an introvert, you are just scoping out the scene. You you are taking yeah. in the details. You're scoping it out, and so there's a lot going on in the introverts as and well. And it's important to give an introvert, and this was hard for me in the beginning of understanding introverts. And sometimes it still is hard for me, but you've got to give them time. They process information differently than extroverts process. So for introverts, you've got to give them time to go away and reflect and have time alone to process. And they will come back and give you your their thoughts a couple of days later. Secondly, it is just a drain for them to be in a busy, yeah, it is. Uh, huge environment. <laughs> so um, they're not looking forward to that. You'll notice that an introvert, if they have to go to a party, uh, an extreme introvert, they it will often them. find another introvert and they will like maybe talk, be talking together. In a back corner. <laughs> yeah, somewhere because they're trying to, you know, get, get out of Dodge from all of these extroverts who just like to be the social butterfly and kind of... Of yeah. go from this to this to that. But I think it's also important to realize that sometimes I would always perceive that as them pushing me away, which I could not stand. And I would always like this one person that um, we were teammates and then really good friends. I would always kind of overwhelm or smother her. Like, are we okay? Did I say something wrong? Did I, are you mad at me? Like I would smother her. And really what she needed was she just needed a little bit of time to reflect. And I always noticed that two or three days later, she would come back to me and give me her thoughts. And so I had to learn in working with her. And this goes for your kids. This goes for working relationships. This goes for your spouse. I had to learn to give her her space. And so eventually I would say to her, hey, I just want to make sure we're okay. And I fully understand that you need some time to process and think. And when you're ready, I'm here to listen. And that drove me crazy because I wanted to talk it through immediately, but she's an internal processor. She's more introverted and I needed to give her time. One other thing too, uh, Casey and I, we spent um, several years overseeing a large student ministry and you know, there are 200 to 250 students that would be showing up every week. And so part of our, the way we programmed um, this environment was, it was like a big party. There was a huge lobby and people would come in and they'd have a great time and, and, and the extroverts loved it. Yeah. But we also included a small group element. Yeah, super because good. the introverts connected on a smaller group kind yeah, of level. Absolutely. And so we are we were all about connection and community. That was part of the goal of this. But unless you have opportunities for both and you don't if you if you're an E who's designing this, you're like, oh let's do the big party. And all of the introverts are like, I just it's have to bear through this, yeah. you know, till I get to this next part. But if you can create opportunities for the introvert to thrive and introverted um points where they can connect and also an extroverted man, whether you're in business, whether you're in ministry, whether in your family or, um, whether you're at a, I don't know, planning anything, you can create opportunities for an extroverts and introverts to connect and say, man, that was a really great experience. Absolutely. So the next letter is an S which stands for sensing versus intuition, which is an N. So you're either an S or an N you're sensing or your intuition. So sensing, if you're an S, I'm an S, 
this gets really funny because M&S and Joel's and N were opposites on this. Yeah. And I would say we're extreme opposites. Yeah. I, I, would, I would agree. Um, but sensing you take in and present, present information in, in a sequential step-by-step way. And then for intuitions, they see the big picture. They take in and presenting information in a snapshot or big picture way. So for an N, it's easy for them to go from A to Z very quickly and forget all the letters in between. That is true. That is true. <laughs> well, we see the big purpose yeah. and the the dynamic thing that that large picture thing will do to yeah. impact people or to help people. But the S says, but what about step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six? Do you understand how much work that will be? Do you understand how much time? Do we have that much time to pull that big thing off? Right. So sensing will always see A, B, C, and D. Now here's where you can use this as an opportunity or a conflict because early on, and Joel's a visionary oh too, gosh. and I'm not a visionary at all. I'm artistic. <laughs> You're going to go there with this. Yeah. One. Like I'm artistic. So I think of cool, creative things, but I'm not a visionary at all. And early on in our marriage, Joel would like have these big dreams and visions. And I literally would like hammer them straight into the ground with like, well, did you think about this? And 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 I could just slowly see the light dimming from Joel's eyes as I shot his vision down like a bird from the sky. No, more like the Zeppelin. Like, like it it was, it was on fire. I I would float as a visionary. I float out my dreams and I say, okay, what do you think about this? Now, now I understand I'm a visionary at this level of in life. And so I understand that I'm going to have dreams and visions and great ideas almost every day. So not all of, I can't do all of them, nor should I do all all of them. But, but especially in me, I would just float out an idea. I'd say, okay, what if we did this and this happened? And and Casey, this poor young lady would be like, oh my gosh, how in the world, do you know how much work that's going to be? And so she, she would be feeling stressed because I'd be putting out this big vision and I would feel like, man, she just, you know, unloaded her gun into my <laughs> balloon and it was riddled yeah. with just reality. Don't yeah. do that to a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> but here's where it can be really positive and a big help is when you are a visionary, to partner with somebody who has an S personality, they're going to make sure all the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. And it didn't help that I early on worked for an organization that put on large events. And so I was in the details of everything we needed to do to execute a stadium full of 75,000 kids with excellence. And you need, you need people like that. Like it's one thing to have a dream and say, we're going to rent out the Superdome and fill it with 75,000 teenagers. Well, you better have some S's on your team that can think through, okay, we need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G to make sure that we can get to Z. So that's where it's really cool when you do it from a team dynamic of realizing in order to make this happen, you need an S that can see not just A to Z, but they can see all the in-betweens. And I think it's cool when you're in a marriage to realize I had to learn to pace myself and not overwhelm Joel with A to B to C to D. And Joel had to also learn to pray and think on things that were big visions for him, what to share with me and what not. Not that he would like hold things back. Or or to preface it with, 
hey, this is not something that I'm thinking about actually doing. Yeah. But this is just kind of something <laughs> a cool that idea. here's a cool idea that I'm thinking on. What you know, like I just wanted to share this with you. And then that way, Casey isn't isn't like, oh my gosh, so we're gonna be doing this. And because as you're talking to me about this, I see one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight. I mean, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of time that's gonna need to prepare this. And I'm just sharing what's in my heart. Yeah. So I also had to learn to temper my Sness with Joel and really bring it out when it was something, okay, you're gonna do this thing. Let's sit down. And I would say to him, I'm not, I'm not shooting your vision down. Let's just talk through practically what this looks like. And I would have to, I would have to be mindful of that. But where it's super cool is there were times that on a team, Joel would come to us and say, Hey, like, what if we did this and we could get 800 or a thousand students here? And then me and my team would get together and we would think through every possible scenario to make that possible. So we had floor plans and schematics of exactly the way we would map it out and how we would facilitate our volunteers and how many volunteers we needed for each area and marketing. What do we need to do to get the message out there? And so they could come up with big visions that we couldn't think through, but we could always think through the plan to execute those visions. And when you learn to work together and appreciate one another's strengths and weaknesses to those personality types, you can really make magic happen. And and part of the great thing is, is even remember when we wrote our first book together. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. So I'm, I'm the big picture and the storyteller, <laughs> right? And so Casey's like, hold on. And so I, I came down to her table and she was like, let's begin to bubble diagram this out for the Divine Matchmaker, our book. On. Yeah, we're like, everything we want to talk about, we would bubble diagram it out. And then she put it into... We clustered it too. Like yeah. this topic goes with this, this topic goes with this, this topic goes with this. And then she put it out one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D into a straight form outline. Yeah. And... What that did for us was it gave us kind of some lines. I would often go off of those, but it gave me a starting point. <laughs> I never and we, did. <laughs> and yeah, you're and you you write like twice as fast as I do as far as like putting content out. Um, mine's more creative. Yeah. And so what happened is I had some structure that now I could hang yep. my creativity on. And what came out of that was a best-selling book that we created because an S and an N, a sensing and an intuition came together and didn't see our differences as weaknesses, but instead saw them as strengths. And it was a way better book that made more, so much more sense because Casey helped put the one, two, three into it. Yeah. It's funny too. I'll just say this and we'll move on to the next thing. Um, when we write a message together too, it's hilarious because Joel can bounce all over the place and somehow just in the nick of time, it will all come together. And for me, I cannot move on to point two until I've completed point A. Like it's just the way my brain thinks. And I'm like, no, we can't do that right now. We can't go to that point because we haven't fully fleshed out what point A is. And so it sometimes I have to take a deep breath, you know, like calm down, Casey. It's okay. But it's just funny how we work in different ways, but together, you know, it works more effectively. Okay. So the next one is really fun. Um, it's the thinker versus the feeler. So you're either a T 
or you're an F, you're a thinker or you're a feeler. So for thinkers, you make decisions by stepping back from the situation and taking an objective view. I would not know this world because I am very high on the feeling scale. You are off the chart. Oh my gosh. Sometimes it is my Achilles heel. But for feelers, you make decisions by stepping back into the situation and taking an empathetic view. So for feelers, we will always perceive how a decision will land on somebody. Always. Yeah. You empathize. You put yourself in their shoes. Always. And so for each of these attributes, whether it's um, introvert, you know, extrovert, sensing, intuition, thinking, or feeling, this is your natural way of stepping into it. It's your natural, most natural way of um, just processing your world psychologically. And so it doesn't mean if you're a thinker that you're never empathetic. You can learn to be empathetic and a feeler. It just means that you know this about yourself. Okay, first I'm going to be rational. And then I'm going, if you're a thinker, you're going to be rational. And then secondly, you have got to then say, but now let me see how this will land on people. Yeah, Or you surround yourself too. If you're a thinker, you lean into a feeler because oftentimes thinkers are like, I don't care how it lands on people. This is what needs to happen. We're going to make this decision. This is the best decision. And we're going to do this. And you burn 15 people in the process or 20 people or 50 people because you didn't take time to consider how it was going to land on people. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change the process that you're implementing. It may mean you need to change the wording and the way you communicate it to people. Totally. And so it's super important that if you are a thinker, and I've watched this happen time and time and time and time again, like thinkers will make decisions and they're really good decisions and they're really good systems that you're implementing. But because you don't consider the way it's going to land on somebody and you push it through too quickly, you lose a significant amount of buy-in. So think about the power of a thinker is so good because they're objective. Yeah. They don't, they're not empathetic. They're objective. And because of that, they can come up with very effective solutions But if you can lean into a feeler, what's powerful about that is that really effective solution coupled with how we can get buy-in from people together, woo, not only do you have a great system, but you now have buy-in from the people you're leading. Yep. And I, I, I'm a feeler too. I empathize first before I rationalize. Now I can do both. Um, you know, I did go to law school and graduate, so I can be <laughs> rational and think but through things. But I think things. you're more on the center line. I think you're closer, like you're a feeler, whereas I would be like 95% feeler. I really am. Joel is probably like 60% feeler. And I, um, but that's why when I'm going to make a decision, I always run it by a thinker. There, yeah. are, there are several thinkers in my world yeah. who um, I go to and I'll say, okay, um, what have I, am I missing anything? Um, how, what are your thoughts on this? Because oftentimes a thinker's like, well, why are you doing this for this person, this for this person, this for this person, when you could just do this solution and it would meet everybody's needs and then you're not, you're doing um, 10 times less work and it's more effective. So why don't you do And I'm like, oh, that's a genius. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for feelers, it's funny because even in parenting, 
Joel can sometimes be really strict and strong, especially on Reagan. I think it works really effectively on Lincoln, but with Reagan, it hurts her feelings. And so oftentimes I can get the same, (laughs) I can get the same goal. I just consider the way it'll land on her and I just word it very differently and convince her to do what I want her to do, which can sound a little bit manipulative. I don't mean it manipulative, but I always consider the way it's going to land. And so I can word it differently to land on her softer. And so, because she is a high feeler. So I think it, it is amazing how, if you just think about the way it lands on people, partner with a thinker, you can come up with a really effective system, but you, you're considerate about the way it lands on people. Oftentimes I would, cause I am a high feeler. I would have to really work through when a thinker would make a decision, but they didn't consider how it would land on my team it would be frustrating. So I had situations that would happen where a thinker would just make an executive decision and not have a conversation with me about how it affected my team. And and what they oftentimes didn't understand is it was a domino effect, that that one decision then led to 15 other problems. Or 15 and 15 other conversations for you. Right, exactly. Versus like, hey, if you just would have had a conversation with me, I could have helped you navigate this where the domino effect wasn't, I just burned 20 of my team members because you wanted in this instituted next week. You know, so it's just, it is, it can be a powerful thing if you lean into the gifts of each other, but then also know if you've got a thinker on your team. So I'm a high feeler, but I've worked with a lot of thinkers. Um, my first boss that I worked for, for gosh, I don't know, 15 years. No, no not that long. I think like 10, 12 years. He was a very high thinker. And so I had to learn to rein in my feeling, rein in my emotion, and keep things very direct with him. And so I couldn't be long-winded. I couldn't over-communicate with him. I just had to be a straight shooter with him in order to get the information that I needed out of him because he was a high thinker. And so for feelers, you have to learn sometimes to taper that down and be more objective with th- when you're working with thinkers or even leading thinkers. Like I had a couple leaders uh, on my team who were high thinkers and I had to very intentionally tone down my feelings in order to lead them effectively and pull from more of the objective viewpoints to lead them. And they would always say to me, Casey, you're getting in your feels, you know? And I appreciated that, you know, because you want to know what one another is so that you can lead more effectively. You can lead your people, you can lead your kids, or you can lean into your marriage more effectively when you know those things. Yeah. And, and so, and, and likewise, the thinker, the best thing you could do as thinkers is to check in with your feelers, those who are empathetic before you, um, push a new family objective, a new work objective with your teams and just say, Hey, how do you think this will land? Um, on people or what's the most effective way. That's something I do with Casey. A lot of times if I'm like, oh, how does this text sound? And I know it's it could land funny. She is an expert on how it will land on other people. And so you actually grow and your team or your marriage or your family actually functions better and you see more wins happening when you draw on the strengths instead of seeing it as like that person just is way too emotional or that person, man, they, they're just mean. as, yeah, they're cold <laughs> as ice. You know, they would, yeah. you know, stab, stab their own grandma on the back if they, if, if it, if it worked to their advantage, you know, instead of seeing it as something to be opposed when both people see, Oh, that's how you're naturally wired. That's your first way of thinking. You can't change that. 
Uh, and then you see it as a strength and you so can good. work together on it. Yeah, absolutely. So the next and last area, and then we're going to tell you where you can take your test and have some fun with it, is judging versus perceiving. Now this cracks me up uh, with judging versus perceiving. So judging is a planned approach to meeting the deadline in a scheduled way. Perceiving is a spontaneous approach to meeting the deadline with a rush of activity. And so I'm, I'm a J. And I am a P. I'm a perceiver. And what that oftentimes means is um, perceiving or a P, they're oftentimes very last minute. Well, and- that's how you would see it. You would see it as last, last minute. Yeah, I think, but here's, here's what you mean by very last minute. What I mean by very last minute is they get their burst of creativity and inspiration when they feel the pressure of their deadline approaching. Yes. They, they are energized, I would say, yeah, around great way a to deadline. Describe it. Yeah, energized around a deadline. Versus judging, we feel our creativity and we're at our best when we have plenty of time to prepare for it. So a great way to describe this is if you have 30 days to complete a project... Do you start on day one, day 15, or day 27? You know, for me, I'm high J. I start on day one, and I map it out because I know the first 20 days of that project, I'm in my best. Yeah, I'm, I'm day 27. Joel is day 27. Yeah, time. and I... Part of it is I have to, I feel it, I sense it, I perceive it as a deadline yeah. is coming closer and closer, and it'll get done. But I'm not energized 30 days out. I'm not as creative. You're not even thinking about it 30 days out. And I think a lot of times people will say, oh, you're just a procrastinator. You may be a procrastinator, but you're probably a P. And so you find your inspiration last minute. So here's what's funny about that. I worked with a team member who was a high P. Joel is a high P. I work, I feel like God wants to test my patience. So he puts me with a lot of P's, like last minute people, because I am so not last minute. Now, when I was leading a team with perceivers on them, with P's on them, I had to create false deadlines for them and create a margin. I typically would create a margin of five days where their deadline was five days prior to their actual deadline because then that gave us five days to tweak it and make it excellent. So false deadlines were key for people who I led with P's on my team. Now, here's where it's funny. I'm a high J. So when things fall apart last minute... I need a minute to step back and recollect myself. I don't think as creatively and as effectively when la- at last minute things. I can plan like crazy, but when last minute things fall apart, I have to pull in the peas because they can think fast on their feet. Yep. So we had a situation happen one time where um, we got to the location where we were setting up and it wasn't available to us. And we had three hours to set up for an event. And I just panicked. I didn't know what to do. Mind you, I had floor plans. I had maps. I had a full plan executed for this space of exactly how it was designed, laid out. I had an AutoCAD drawing with everything color-coded. Day one through 20, like I was planning and prepping. My volunteers were in place. I knew exactly what to do. But when all that plan fell apart, I just stepped back and I let the peas on my team re-execute a plan. And I just got out of the way. And they did an incredible job. And then I could walk in there and tweak this here and tweak this there. But that's the difference between really being a P is not a bad thing, even though I always perceive it as a bad thing. 
It's not a bad thing. They work very well under pressure and they find their creativity as the deadline approaches. Jays are really good because they can map out and approach a deadline in a very scheduled, methodical way early on. You need both. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of conflict happens between J's and P's, especially if you're in a work team or in a marriage, because the J's generally are thinking, you need to get your crap together. You need to adult, all right? This is just something that you do. You need to plan it out, think about it. And the P's, literally, their, their creativity and their mind does not work that way. Like it just doesn't. So I I worked all my bosses that I've ever worked for are P's and I'm a P. So I remember I was working on a project, I don't know, a couple years ago. And I was like, okay, my boss is a P and my boss and I were working on a project together. So I know I'm a P. I know he's a P. So the deadline was actually November 1st. (laughs) I, I put the deadline October 25th. And so guess what happened? On October 25th, I received an email from my boss saying, I'm going to be, um, I'm going, I've, I've got this half done, but I'm going to be working on the last part of it tonight. And I got it on the 26th or 27th sometime, but the actual deadline was the first. So you can even manage yourself. If you're a P out there and you need some self-management, give yourself some false deadlines or break. If it's a year project, break it up into quarters. So like three months in, you need to be here or, you know, give yourself some false deadlines and that will help you to be able to execute. And then the P's, you have to look at the J's and just understand that they're not, they feel stressed out in the last five days before the thing, especially before the deadline, especially if they don't have the plan and they don't have the 25 days before then, man, they're in a state of stress. So you want to try to help the J's on your team by if you can create false deadlines for yourself, you're, you're telling them that you're, you're, um, meeting certain goals and you're keeping them up to date where you're at. And that's when a J who can schedule out for the P's can help a P and a P actually helps the J. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also fun too, like for, for J's, they're really good project managers. They're good at getting slowly moving the ball down the field and you need those on your team. It's fantastic when you think about whatever project you're mapping out or even for families, like whatever you're planning, you know, so good. They're methodical about planning out a map and scaling things out early in advance on time, booking vacations, booking the hotels, booking the restaurants. You can tell, you can tell who does that in our family, (laughs) planning the schedules, mapping out, you know, bills or whatever it is like they're really effective and you want to utilize and lean into both but when last minute things fall apart Joel oftentimes has to jump in and his creativity and his he works well under pressure when I feel pressure I just start to melt down but when Joel feels pressure he's energized that last minute deadline like in the heat of the moment, he's really good under pressure, and I panic and get nervous and scared when things don't don't go the way I plan. So it's fun if you can learn to appreciate the difference in one another and see those as an asset in your life, as opposed to you're so last minute, you procrastinate all the time. Be an adult. Be an adult. Yeah. Instead of seeing that as a bad thing, now you've got to come together and learn to work together. And I love. When you do a personality test on your team or in your marriage, or Joel and I really love to figure out what our kids are, you know, 
Um, it's important though with your kids that you don't box them in because they're still growing and developing. But when you learn the differences, you learn to appreciate those differences, but also you're more compassionate and empathetic to the way that they're wired. So for Joel, he's had to learn Casey is a J, like she's a planner. And so I need to give her a little bit more information to help her feel more at ease and peace with these kind of things. Like, hey, Joel, this is coming up. Have you gotten this done? Hey, Joel, this is coming up. Have you gotten this done? You know, like. Or, or, or if I'm releasing information, like if I have a plan that I'm doing, um, I begin to kind of now at, at 15 years of marriage, I begin to kind of say, hey, I was thinking about this. This is what I'm kind of doing. And I let it come out. And it's not like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm da da da. You just kind of let it sit. And then you talk about the next step and the next phase. And that is a whole lot easier than just dropping the big vision bomb yeah. on on your spouse. Yeah, or sometimes too, um, it can sound when you're a J like you're nagging a P, like especially uh, in yeah, marriage. It can come across as you're nagging them because they're procrastinating. You know, and you can't see it that way. Like they're just wired to plan things out in a, in a, in a certain order ahead of time. And they're helping you. And they're helping you. They're helping you. So I think it's just cool when you learn that about each other in marriage or in teams, you know how to lead your people better. Yeah. And if you as a spouse or as a team member or as a mom or dad, or, um, if you are always looking and saying, well, why can't they do this? Why are, why aren't they wired the way I'm wired? Then you're at odds and you can't use the, um, the synergy that could be created by both of you using yeah. your gifting. So I've, I've come a lot of, a lot of marriages that are that way where, um, one of the spouses is just like, you need to get this together. Yeah. And they're they're always looking down on that other spouse, but they are looking on they're valuing only their own their strengths. Their strengths. Yeah, that's so good. And so they can't see the strengths that their spouse is giving, or they say, Well, that's not they don't you don't value that as much. Yeah. But what you need to do is to value that. And you'll see the same thing in work teams. Yeah. The boss will hire people that are just like them. Yeah. Yep. And so they're a one-sided entity. And if they would hire some people that aren't like them, that you know, if you're an F and you hire a T or if you're a P and you hire you need lots of J's on your team and lots of yeah. S's on your team. Um, then you're going to have a, a winning team that can execute things if you will value each person by their gifting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think that's so huge even in, I love that you say that with marriage because instead of focusing on viewing things through your own personality lens, when you view it through your own personality lens, you always see the other person's, what God, God gave them that as a strength. Like Joel's P his ability to work well under pressure with the deadline approaching is a gift that God put in him. Jay, me planning ahead, is a gift that God put in yeah. me. Thank and so when you Jay. see it through that filter, like that's a strength of his. And I'm going to see it as a strength and I'm going to lean into that as a strength. And this is a strength of mine as opposed to just harping him and beating him down because he's not wired the way I am wired. Here's the other thing too, same with teams. When you hire everybody that's just like you, you're always going to play at a way lower level. Totally. You're never going to be at the league that you could be at because you're only 
you're surrounding yourself with people who are like you. As opposed to diversity on your team, they can bring all unique gifts and skills. But here's your challenge as a leader. You've got to learn to lead people that are different than you. And that is going to be the biggest challenge is can you lead people that are different than you? And can you see that difference as a strength as opposed to a weakness? And people can tell if you value them. And that's the very first step if you can lead someone is you've got to be able to value their strength. And you have to change. Like I remember we had this one girl on our team and she was a very strong leader, very strong giftings, very strong in her personality type. And it was a stretch for me, but I loved her so much and she was a powerhouse and I had to learn to be a better leader. But you know what that means? I had to learn to change. I had to learn to change in order to lead her better. And, and really what that is, is a leader is whether it's a leader of your family, whether it's a leader of your kids, your community, your workplace, like really being a leader is just you got to humble yourself and you've got to change to know how to lead people more effectively. It doesn't mean you have to do what they do. No. You want to hire people that are better than you at certain things. And let them run. Yep. But what you have to do is to learn to speak their language. Yeah. You have to understand, okay, this person is thinking this way. And as a visionary, I come to my team and I'm not just going to drop bomb after bomb after bomb. I'm going to go in there because usually on my team, here's who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the ESFJs, who are is Casey's personality type. And I'm looking for the ISTJs uh, as well, or the ISFJ. Um, oh, yeah, I don't mind if it's an E or an I on most of those. But I'm looking for those because they... Um, they hold up and they balance out my giftings and my weak, my weaker sides of my giftings. They help support that. But when I go into a meeting, I just can't go in there and be dropping all my vision bombs every day. I got to present things to the team. I've got to get their feedback. I have to listen to what they, they are saying. And then they help me to not just run and try to do everything. They help me to to figure out what is the most important thing, whether that's the most important thing for my family, whether in, in Casey and my relationship, um, whether that's the most important thing for the organization or for where we're going. Yeah. So here's where it gets fun. Um, oftentimes, some of the biggest conflicts in your marriage or conflicts on your team are boiled down to personality differences. Totally. You just see the world differently. That is so right. And so you see it as a problem, but the truth is if you can lean into this stuff, it'll shift your perspective. And really that's what everything is about, a perspective shift. So you can go to this. There's a free test, 16personalities.com. Yep. And remember that everything, um, all the links and everything that you need is on joeljohnson.org slash podcast. And you can go to the show notes and just click on the link and it'll take you right to the personality test. So we want to encourage you spouses, take the personality test. Even on that website, it gives you like how you are as a spouse, how you are as a parent. Like it really unpacks a lot of things for you. It will make you a better spouse. It will make you a better leader, a better parent, a better human. So these are just some fun things that we've learned in working relationships in our marriage and our parenting. Um, Just being like a better person and appreciating the different unique gifts and talents that God brings to the table with his people. Let me give you a takeaway. Um, If you haven't acknowledged 
the strengths in your marriage, in your family, or in your team at work or whatever you're doing. If today, if you would say, wow, if you've had a light bulb go off, just go to your spouse, go to your kids, go to your team. And if you'll just say, hey, you know, I've never said this, but thank you for being so Jay, whatever yeah. that looks like. Thank you for just always being so far forward thinking Planned out. <laughs> and just, just affirm their strength. Um, or, or if it's a P, Hey, I love how you work under pressure. I just wanted to acknowledge that and just say you're an asset to our team yeah. when you do that. Yep. If you'll do that, you're going to see everything in your life move down the road in such a more positive and more, um, fruitful way. Yeah. Do it it'll be the best step that you could possibly take And today. take this test with your spouse, take this test with your teams and talk about it. You'll function better together. Um, and we hope that you grow from it and enjoy it. And we've learned it the hard way. <laughs> um, and so it's been super effective for us and helpful. So thanks for tuning in. We are so grateful that you guys like and share and comment and listen and tune in. We are overwhelmed and so grateful um, with all your feedback, all your amazing feedback. And our greatest desire is just that this podcast helps you on your journey. Um, in my opinion, there's nothing greater than somebody who just opens up their lives and shares their vulner- vulnerability um, so that other people can learn and grow. And so sometimes it may mean I look messy or Joel looks messy or you look messy. But if somebody can take away a nugget or grow or just be better because of it, then we've accomplished our purpose. So thank you guys. You're amazing. That was episode nine. Episode nine. High five. Yay. Love you guys. Too spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> We've created this podcast because we love helping people along their journeys. Beyond the podcast, you'll find us coaching folks through their messy moments. We do this online or on site for individuals, couples, and organizational leaders. So if you'd like to talk to one or both of us, you can head over to joeljohnson.org or you can get in touch with us through social media. Also, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And you can share it with your friends. If you'd like a copy of the show notes for today's episode, you can head over to joeljohnson.org slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Messy Life Podcast.